Well, on this Labor Day, I thought we would just um, take a little break from our study of David. I think we've done nine messages, eight or nine on David, and think about um, work. And uh, I've entitled this uh, A Biblical Perspective on Labor, on Work, and uh, we're going to look at six principles from uh, Scripture about um, this whole matter of, of work and labor. I almost thought that a title could be Work is Not a Four-Letter Word, but I thought uh, a biblical perspective on labor sounded sounded better, uh, uh, more, more appropriate. But, um, hey, I thought it would be interesting today, just as we're thinking about Work, work, there we go. Seems like a cut out there. The sound people have all the power. You learn that, you know. <laughs> they don't like what you're saying. They can just turn you right right off. But, uh, well, I'm going to put this in high gear. How's that sound good for everybody? So we're going to run through these six principles regarding work. Isn't it interesting how much time uh, when we are working in our work career we spend at work, 168 hours in a week, um, I kind of figured uh, round off about 60 hours of sleeping, some of you more, some of us less. Um, so that leaves about 108 hours. And really, if you're working uh, 40, 45 hours a week and you put travel time in there, about half of our waking hours is occupied with uh, our job and our, and our work. And so we want to think about... Um, what the Bible has to say about work and a biblical perspective on work. And, and maybe it'll just kind of shift our thinking a little bit about how God sees uh, work. So uh, very quickly, I think notes are in your bulletin. Here's the first one. Uh, work was assigned to Adam before the fall. Um, we, we need to get that clear in our minds because sometimes people think, well, that God gave work to mankind as a result of the fall of man. It was part of the curse, and that's not true. When you read Genesis um, very carefully, you discover that God gave man uh, Adam uh, work before the fall, and that's found in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. It says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to care for it. And so this is this is before uh, Genesis three, where Satan comes and tempts Eve. So we need to understand that work is not a part of the curse, but work was given to mankind be, before the fall of man. And sometimes we joke about what uh, the world's oldest profession is. Uh, the world's oldest profession is gardening. <laughs> Adam was a gardener, and he was he was overseeing and working in the the Garden of Eden. And so we need to view work as a, a gift. Uh, work is a gift from God. Uh, Solomon talks about that in Ecclesiastes um, chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Uh, let me just read that very quickly here. But Solomon uh, pictures work as a gift. Ecclesiastes 3, I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all of their toil, all of their work, for this is the gift of God. And so God has given us this gift of, uh, of work. And now the curse came um, after the fall of man, and that had to do with work. And we, we read about it in, Exodus, in Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, uh, that the curse did affect work. Um, to Adam, because you, oh, because you listened to your wife, Adam. Uh, we, we won't go there. I will keep moving on here. Because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit from the tree which I commanded you, 
you must not eat from. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And so um, work now is going to be more difficult. And there's going to be a, a curse, and work's going to be hard because mankind fell. But work uh, was given by God as a gift before the fall of man. A second thing we want to think about is that our work is a reflection of being God's image bearer. And so the Bible says we're made in the image of God. That means we have intellect, emotion, and will. And one of the ways that we reflect God's image is through work and through creativity. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God what created the heavens and the earth. And we can look around, uh, even look around outside here and just see the, the creative beauty of, of God. And so part of being made in God's image is that um, we work and we uh, create. Our work is a reflection of being made in God's image. And so the creative arts, uh, music, art, theater, inventions, it's all... Uh, a reflection of it should be of God's uh, God's glory and God's beauty. Now the world has stolen that in many ways, haven't they? And they've turned the music and the arts and the theater into um, you know what God creates. Satan tries to distort. But uh, when we are creative and when we are working, it's a reflection of the fact that we are made in God's image. I want us to think about the fact that. Someday, the curse of that God put on work is going to be reversed. And that's in Revelation chapter 22, verse 3, when the Apostle John is describing the, the new heaven and the new earth where we will spend eternity. Um, and he says, there will be no more curse. And so Randy Alcorn in his book on heaven writes a little bit about what that will be like someday. And, um, you know, we have so many misconceptions about what heaven's going to be like. And uh, when we're growing up, sometimes we think, well, heaven's going to be boring. And what are we going to do, sit on a cloud and play a harp? And uh, no, heaven will be anything but boring. And here's what Randy Alcorn works. When the curse writes, when the curse is reversed, we will no longer engage in painful toil. But we will enjoy satisfying work. God will lift the curse the idea of working in heaven is foreign to many people. Yet scripture clearly teaches us our work will be joyful and fulfilling, giving glory to God. Generally, unemployed people are not happy. Work is a blessing, not just because of its financial rewards. Work in heaven will involve lasting accomplishment, unhindered by decay or fatigue and I added in parentheses, or uncooperative employees or mean bosses. <laughs> it, it will be unhindered by a decay or fatigue. It will be enhanced by unlimited resources. We'll approach our work with the same enthusiasm we bring to our favorite sport or hobby. And so uh, someday we're going to be working in heaven, and that is going to be a, a, a joyous thing. Uh, that will bring us great joy and it'll be fulfilling. Why? Because we're made in, in the image of, of God. 
Thirdly is the, the biblical pattern for work, and we see this all through Scripture, and uh, this, is, this is nothing new here, but let me just remind us that God gave us a model or a pattern or a rhythm for work. It's found in uh, Genesis chapter 1 and 2. God created for six days, and on the seventh day, he did what? He rested. Not because God was tired, because God doesn't get tired, but he ceased from his labor. And we see that as a model for you and I about how we are to model uh, our rhythm of work. And it's in Exodus chapter 20, um, the Ten Commandments, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter, your slaves, your animals. He goes on and on, part of the Ten Commandments. So there's this rhythm that God gave to us for work. Work, 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 and then you better stop and, and rest. Um, that, that, that's true. Um, I've, uh, sometimes we're in positions where we need to work seven days a week, and I understand that. Uh, sometimes we can't get around that. But when I've seen people do that long term, um, I've found very often that they um, will be sick. Um, you know, they'll just get emotionally drained. And so God wants us to have a day where we kind of recreate uh, our spirits uh, emotionally, uh, physically. Uh, somebody once said sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is just uh, on a Sunday just take a nap. Um, he wants us to, to rest. And so there's this model uh, that God gives us, the biblical pattern for work. And I find it interesting in Scripture that it even applies in the Old Testament, and I think this principle carries over, to the soil. If you read the Old Testament carefully, and uh, Exodus 23, 10 through 12, um, continuing here, six days do your work, but on the seventh day do not work so that your ox and your donkey may rest, and so that the slave-born in your household and the foreigners, again, among you may be refreshed. There's the idea. You need a day to stop working. Um, and let's see. That's I wanted to start in verse 10, so let me jump up to verse 10. For six years you are to sow your fields and harvest the crops, but during the seventh year... Let the land lie unplowed and unused. And so it's this principle. It's all through the Old Testament. Plant for six years um, uh, crops, but on the seventh year, don't plant anything there. And why is that? God in his wisdom knew that what the soil needed to what be um, replenished with its, its nutrients. And so you see that all through the Old Testament. Um, Here's a quote. Agriculture can be draining for the soil, especially when farmers plant the same crop year after year. The reason is simple. Each species of plant leaches something from the soil while giving something back. For instance, soybeans leave nitrates in the soil while corn absorbs nitrates. To replenish the chemical composition of soil, some farmers let their land go follow, is the word, so that the soil can naturally restore its balance. Well, that wasn't that's not the farmer's idea. <laughs> that originated with, with God in the Old Testament. And so uh, this whole pattern or rhythm, work six days and then rest. 
All right, number four here. We got three more to go here. Um, and number four, biblical principles regarding work is this. Uh, the biblical reasons for work. The biblical reasons. So why, uh, why should we work? And uh, the big overarching reason is that um, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, no matter what you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And so ultimately, our, our work, whatever God has called us to do, is to ultimately um, reflect him and reflect glory to him as we're a faithful employee, as we... Um, are, are honest and, and ethical and and um, God is is honored when we do that and so ultimately it's it's to glorify God but there's many other practical reasons in the Bible why we should work um, primarily uh, one of the main ones is to provide for our families to provide for our families first Timothy chapter 5 verse 8. Paul writing to, to Timothy, his pastor at Ephesus, um, anyone who does not provide for their relatives, especially for their own households, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And so uh, God gives us work so that what we can uh, provide for our families, provide for our, our loved ones. Uh, and, and that is one of the, uh, the, key, uh, the key reasons. Um, and so work is uh, essential to, um, to providing for our families. Uh, secondly, or thirdly, rather, uh, reasons why we should work, to be able to share with those in need. To be able to share with those in need. Ephesians chapter 4, where the Apostle Paul is talking about the difference that being a, a Christian makes in our life. In verse uh, 28 of chapter 4, Anyone who has been stealing must no longer steal. It's a good idea. But must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. That they may have something to share with those in need. So God has given us work not just to provide for our own families, although that is essential, but God also says, I want you to have some extra so that you can provide with people who are in need. As you read through the Old Testament, God has a heart for the poor. That's why the, the law, the, the gleaning, the gleaners uh, in the Old Testament, uh, he says, when you harvest your fields, leave the corners, leave the four edges. Why? For the poor. So they can come and, and be provided for. And so God's heart is for the poor. God's heart is for the needy. And how is he uh, going to meet some of those needs? He wants to do it through us. That God um, gives us work so that we can have extra to share with those in need. First John uh, chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 Here's what uh, John has to say. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And so uh, why work? Uh, it brings glory to God. It provides for our family. But God wants us to uh, have extra 
to provide with those in need. I had, uh, I think it was Wednesday, uh, had a late breakfast with some friends of ours um, that we've known for a lot of years, and we had a breakfast in Chelsea, and in the course of conversation, we were talking, and I um, brought him up to date on some mutual friends, but uh, these mutual friends um, had some needs, and uh, and so um, they very generously said, you know what, um, if we gave you some money, and they did, would you make sure that this family um, gets these funds? And so Friday afternoon, I made a connection with his family and said uh, hey uh, uh, here's this this family and and they just are concerned about you guys and uh, they wanted to bless you with some finances and uh, that's uh, that's one of the reasons uh, of several of why why we work uh, here's number four to support God's kingdom work to support God's kingdom work. Uh, the church and worldwide missions, how is that funded? Well, that's funded through um, God's people. And so Paul's writing a thank you note to the Philippian believers, and he's writing from prison in Philippians chapter 4, and he says, um, I want you to know that I don't desire your, not that I desire your gifts, but I desire what is credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you have sent. And so the church at Philippi heard about Paul in prison, and they get this fellow by the name of Epaphroditus, and they give him some money, and Paul ta uh, Epaphroditus takes the gifts to Paul. And so we have the book of Philippians, which is really a, a thank you note from Paul uh, to the church for supporting um, God's kingdom work. And uh, uh, we have that blessing as well. And just through your, your generosity, we're able to um, support 12 or 13 missionary families. And uh, we're looking to, uh, to in increase, increase that because God's blessed us and put us in a position to do that. And so, um, you know, we've got these missionaries and they're extensions of our ministry and uh, as uh, the van teams work in in Edinburgh um, Scotland well lastly why why work uh, what are the reasons for work that number five here I believe it is um, is to experience the joy and blessing of giving and Acts 20 verse 35 uh, it is more blessed to give than to receive and I think as we um, grow up in our maturity uh, you know we start out with uh, when we're young and we love to receive gifts but as we um, mature and especially in our spiritual walk um, we discover that the greatest blessing is not in receiving but the greatest blessing is to give and uh, and when we give um, God brings great great joy into our hearts all right, uh, number five here, uh, a biblical perspective on, on work. And uh, number five is this. Our ultimate boss, our ultimate employer uh, or boss is not our employer, but it is Christ. Now, that's um, a difficult mindset sometimes to understand. But if you listen to our scripture reading this morning, um, that was very clear that Paul's writing to the believers at Colossians, in Colossae rather, 
And um, he says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Uh, since you know you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, God's going to reward you someday for being a faithful employee. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. <laughs> oh, okay. In the in the big picture, uh, our boss isn't really our boss. Our boss ultimately is is Christ, and that's why he says, "Don't just work, you know, when your boss is around to kind of curry his favor, but even when he's not around, because what God's watching." And so God, uh, Christ, is our ultimate um, boss. Ephesians 6, uh, the same principle is found in Ephesians chapter 6. Um, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves as Christ, do the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly. As if you were serving the Lord, not people. And so that's the mindset that we need to get, is that ultimately um, we're serving Christ. And um, I've shared this many times before, but I remember about 15 years ago when our oldest son was in a a position where um, he was working for a very, very difficult boss in a very difficult situation. And I know that... um, was not fun or easy to go to work every day and uh, he finally wrestled with that and he said I tell myself every day I'm working for Christ not and then he put his boss's name you know that's ultimately who I'm who I'm working for and so uh, that's the principle our ultimate boss is Christ now I meant to have a little um, object lesson here because a couple years ago um, Matt Lucas gave me a hat and um, I, I actually left it at Mar- had it up at Maranatha, and I know right where it is. Uh, but the hat I was going to put it on today, the hat that Matt got me said, "Jesus is my boss," <laughs> and that's what the scriptures are saying. That's what uh, Paul's writing into the Colossian believers and to uh, the Ephesian believers. All right, here's the last one, and then we're uh, done here. We'll go get some uh, coffee and hot chocolate. <sighs> Number six, our ultimate job title, our ultimate job description is ambassador for Christ. No matter where you work at, no matter what position, where God has placed you, ultimately you are there to be a representative and ambassador for Christ. That's 2 Corinthians 5.20. We are therefore Christ ambassadors and he goes on to share the gospel. And so um, why uh, are we working where we are? Uh, why do we live where we live? It's because God wants us to be his ambassador there. Uh, Ron Hutchcraft wrote a book entitled Called to Greatness. And it's all about sharing Christ and had the privilege of, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Ron Hutchcraft, he uh, was with Youth for Christ Ministries for many, many years. The last 20 years of his life, he's uh, been involved in a ministry called On Eagle's Wings, and they go out to um, native um, Navajo reservations and Indian reservations, and um, they share share Christ with them in some of the most hopeless, darkest places in America. 
where the um, alcoholism rate is off the chart, the unemployment rate is off the chart, the suicide rate is off the chart, and they come in with a team of people for two or three weeks, and Ron says, you can feel the spiritual darkness when you get there, and they share the hope of Christ. So um, I just heard Ron a couple of weeks ago. He's 78 years old. He's about this tall and shrinking. He'll tell you that. Um, but I um, heard him speak five times uh, in our morning session, and um, I almost thought of doing this today, but then I thought, no, it's a little too dreary, but maybe we should have. Every session he had us, um, uh, he had everybody stand up, and he, and we would say, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Yay! And so about 100 people would stand up and would shout, and, and uh, um, that's how we started every of one of our morning sessions uh but here's what he has to say about the fact that we're christ ambassadors chapter three is entitled your clever disguise he's talking about a pastor who at the end of the service is shaking hands with people and he asked this one lady that's coming out uh, after the sermon uh what she does for a living what do you do um he writes he uh, the pastor expected to hear an occupation for an answer Instead, he listened to Hazel's, that was her name, insightful reply. Oh, pastor, she said, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, cleverly disguised as a machine operator. He writes, now there's a lady who knows who she is. Her friends and co-workers would probably just say, Hazel, oh, she's a machine operator, to which Hazel might reply, no, that's just my clever disguise. My job simply puts me in position to direct other machine operators to Jesus Christ. After all, who is a lost machine operator most likely to listen to about a relationship with Jesus? Another machine operator. Who is a lost mom most likely to listen to? Another mom. An unreached businessman will respond best to another businessman, a student to another student, a teacher to another teacher. So as a follower of Christ... What you do is meant to be your clever disguise that positions you to represent Jesus to people like you in your realm of influence. Once you open your heart to see the lostness of people around you as Jesus does, once you grasp the life-enlarging ambassadorial assignment God has himself has given you, then you begin to see every aspect of your life more eternally. And he goes on to elaborate on that and so uh, reason number six why uh, we work is uh, that God has placed us wherever we work to be uh, an undercover ambassador for him and now I know you have to be careful don't you, um, you how you do that and you have to be very wise um, but uh, that's why God has us where we are and uh, I think as um, we look at where our world is and where we're headed and the direction of our culture, we really have to have a sense of urgency with this. Uh, Ephesians 5, Paul says, we need to redeem the time. Uh, the phrase there is make the most of every opportunity. And so um, be aware of those opportunities to uh, be a representative for Christ. Uh, Jesus says in John chapter 9, uh, toward the end of his ministry, um, he says to his disciples in John 9, uh, 4, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And so 
Jesus is saying, hey, there's a, there's a limited opportunity, and so we need to have a sense of, of urgency in our work and in our, our mission. And so if you watch the news in uh, the last uh, few weeks, the new, part of the news has been dominated by a uh, potential space launch of uh, the rocket ship uh, Artemis that uh, is going to go to the moon and then eventually want to have a kind of a platform on the moon to go to Mars and NASA is spending billions and billions of dollars to do this and they've already had to scrub the launch twice. Um, but uh, I, I want to tell you that we have a mission, and it's much more important than uh, the mission of getting someone to the moon. It's getting people to eternity and to come to know Jesus as their Savior. And so biblical perspective on work. I hope um, those six principles kind of give us just a little um, tweak in how we look and view uh, how we view work. Uh, it's a gift from God. It was given before the fall. When we work, we're reflecting God's image. Uh, the biblical pattern, six days of work, one day of rest. The reasons, um, our ultimate boss is Christ, and then we are to be his ambassador. All right. Um, I hope that uh, that encourages you. I think what we will do is uh, pray. Thank you for being uh, for being patient and uh, in spite of some uh, mistiness here. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for um, this time together as the body of Christ. Thank you for each one that's uh, here on this holiday weekend. And Lord, we do thank you for uh, work. Uh, Lord, I know there have been times in my life where um, work has been a drudgery. Work has not been fun. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand um, that work is a gift from you. And so help us to realize that no matter what we do, we can do it to your honor and glory. And uh, Lord, we thank you for the gift of work. And Lord, help us to see work from your perspective, to not only provide for our families, but to give to those in need and to support your kingdom work. And I thank you for the um, generosity of the, the folks that are sitting here in front of me that have... Uh, have been so generous with um, their funds to advance your kingdom right here in Manchester and around the world through our missionaries. Lord, help us to um, adopt a perspective that um, we're your ambassadors, uh, that we work ultimately for you, and uh, that you placed us right where we are to be a testimony, to be a witness for you. And so help us to be looking for those opportunities and we pray that you would be glorified in all of that. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.